I want to continue with the conversation that we've had and I think today's conversation is more ongoing conversation than what it is preaching. Listen to the worship team. They so pump back there. I love that. I love that. I love that. Let me let me try and catch up a little bit. You know, Jesus gave us the great commission. He says, go into all the world and share the good news. Come on, shout good news. The good news is that Christ did for you that you couldn't do for yourself. The good news is not believe in Jesus and Christ plus anything is not good news. Because Jesus says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. And the moment it is, you've got to believe in Jesus, and now you've got to do this, and this, and this, and this, is a misrepresentation of the good news. But he didn't stop there. He says, then disciple them. This word disciple is a word that is hard to explain. Because church as we know it has become such a place of telling people the good news. But discipleship simply means form them into the practices and postures that I've taught you and show them how to follow. Now when we spoke about expectations of actually gathering and believing and inviting people to put their faith in Christ, please go watch last week's message where we discussed certain misplaced ideas because for most people it is what happens to you when you die that is what believing in the present is all about but scripture talks about transformation last week we spoke about where we started in the garden and you know if you ever walk in nature and you see a monarch butterfly there is something so mysteriously glorious about the freedom but it's butterfly so unencumbered um, so beautiful so untainted but sin destroyed that and we all became these caterpillars now what is so interesting about a caterpillar if you ever watch them closely they eat dead things they crawl around but in the very essence of the caterpillar lies the miracle of a monarch butterfly in other words, what you see is a reality, but what it can be is mysteriously miraculous. And I want to remind you that we have got to be careful that the only thing that we see in people are caterpillars. That the only thing we remind in them is that you're a caterpillar. There is not a single person on the face of the earth that doesn't carry eternity in their hearts and a God that has a desire to restore them to what was lost. And the difference between becoming a monarch butterfly and an old caterpillar is what happens in silence out of the sight of man. The transformative work that you cannot explain. But once it's happened, you cannot deny what has become. And we said what we are finding is that a lot of people have no expectation that the gospel of Jesus can ever transform them. There is ever a moment where you say, I don't know what happened, but I am not what I used to be. And it's not because of willpower, it's because of God's activity in my life. 
Because if it's willpower, then we don't need God's activity in our lives. Then I'm going to will my way to become a different person. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is because we've got to understand that God made us. He's the master architect of it all. And our human makeup and our human experience creates the soil that transformation is accelerated. And I've got to explain it to you this way. God made us and He gave us this phenomenal thing called a brain, right? Now, I'm no expert, but they tell us that you have a right lobe and a left lobe in your brain. On the right-hand side is individual and group identity. That is who I am because of who we are. In a family, a baby gets the identity from the family's identity. There's always also where the attunement to others, the assessment of surroundings, and then relational attachment is formed. Relational attachment, there's another beautiful word for this. It's a bonded togetherness. So babies are born. And if babies are taken from birth and place into an orphanage or place into a loving home there is a gigantic difference in development of this side of the brain conscious thought speech analysis problem solving strategic logic story facts but what we kind of miss in the way that we in the west have fashioned what we believe is more important is somehow we don't understand, and I'm going to give you a statement. Well, let me first explain this. That every one of your, um, what are these things called? Senses, hearing, seeing, feeling, touching, smelling, uh, does not come to the left-hand side of the brain. It runs through the right-hand side and then gets established in the left-hand side. You go like, what does this all mean? I'm going to give you this statement. In order for left brain truth to be transformative, right brain flourishing has to be present. In order for a left brain development and spiritual things to become accelerated, the right hand place of identity with one another, identity in God, a place of belonging, a place of safety, the becoming all of that has to be in place to accelerate it. And I want to share with you something that I think is so pertinent in the way that God made us. You know that God wired, intentionally wired every single one of us. If you ask anybody, what are you looking for in life? People are going to tell you happiness. All I want is happiness. And I don't know if it becomes that, but the older you get, the more you realize happiness is not found in places and things. Have you ever planned a vacation? You say, I'm going to be so happy. Once you get there, you can't live with yourself because you take you there. My daughter gave me this statement. She says, you know what hell is? Hell is to want to be where you are not. 
you, you right there on the beach and you can't stand being on the beach but you worked for six months to get you on the beach because you're not happy you you think if I can just purchase this thing then I will be happy and then you are happy for the night then you got buyers remorse and then before you know it you've only been four times on that thing that you envisioned for six years is gonna make you happy because happiness defined and why do I speak of happiness? Because if we are not in a place of happy, if there's not a place of joy, then nothing can grow from it in a healthy way. Last week I explained to you that um, if, if you have soil and you plant tomatoes one year, uh, that first year you get such a gigantic harvest, uh, keep planting tomatoes and your harvest is going to diminish every year. Because every year, the previous harvest took the nourishment and the nutrients out of the soil. If you do not fertilize the soil, you're not going to see a harvest. And I want to say this when we speak about a church community and a place of belonging. If we do not cultivate what makes the human on the right-hand side of your brain happy and belonging, then no amount of information theological information, Bible courses, anything that is suggested will bring forth a fruitful harvest of transformation. But now when we talk about happiness, and I ask the question from you, and I, I want to bring this word joy, joy, happiness, same thing. And what they define is a happy togetherness, a joy amplification, and a bonded joy. Now I want you to just look at those words. Because... It is trying to articulate to us where joy is found and what joy really is. Because you see, Scripture tells us that there is a, can I call it a shadow of deception that surrounds all of our lives. Uh, scripture gives it a name, but we as a people, the moment we talk about Satan, Lucifer, then we go like, I don't believe in that. But yet we are all aware that there's always a pull into a shadow side of life. That if we participate, we will regret and it's corrosive. Now the Bible says that shadow side of our lives is desire. The Bible says he's the father of lies. He's more cunning and deceptive than all the creatures of creation that God has ever made. And his desire is to lead you subtly astray to where you will look for joy and happiness that you are pre-wired to look for in places that you will not find it. You may touch a moment, but you will not be hooked up to the source. Now you know the way that the enemy... Let me put you this way. You know, I have a, a, quite a few mousetraps in my basement. Uh, because living here in basements, there's mice. Now, I'm from Africa, so please take it within the context of what I'm saying. I don't have pretty boxes with bows. And when we catch one, we look at them and go like, Oh, look at you. Oh, I'm going to give you a name, Molly. Oh, Molly, don't come in this house again. I'm going to take you outside and release you with your friends. And then in two weeks, you catch Molly again. You naughty girl, why are you back? Not in my house. Molly comes in. Molly never sees the day of light ever again. It's over for Molly. 
Don't write me if you love Molly. I'm just saying. But every single trap is baited. And uh, what I put in the trap is the very thing that Molly craves. Uh, I, I don't put a piece of caviar in there. I don't even think Molly would know what to do with it. The very thing that Molly longs for is what I bait her with. And can I tell you, since you and I are wired to seek joy and happiness, the enemy bait the trap of our lives to find it where it cannot be found. Because Satan cannot be the source of joy. And you say to me, but what is the source of joy and why is it so important? Well, I, I want to put it to you this, this way. Let me just put on my glasses so that I stay on track here. Joy is a very interesting thing. Play Genesis music, um, Rufus. That's Genesis. I feel it. <laughs> Scripture says this, that in the beginning, God created heavens and earth. What is so profound about this? Is that God first created the source of what was needed for the creature that he was created to use to be satisfied. God first created vegetation and then he said let there be animals in other words he first created the provision before he creates the creature so I want you to know whatever you need in life God didn't create animals then he goes like oh shoot they need to eat something but now we've got to find a solution God doesn't need to find a solution for your life he's created the solution before you even show it up but this is the part I want you to see. Scripture says God created everything and he said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And he spoke it into being. And then on this beautiful day, Scripture says God took from the reddish soil, the mud, and he began to fashion with his own hands. You know what I love about that? Everything else was spoken into existence, but God got his hands dirty when he made you and I. So can I remind you that your dirty mess is not a problem? God doesn't stay at a distance because he knows he had to get dirty to make you. And he knows that he's still got to get into your dirty to transform you. So never push God out and think he's not going to get involved. It started with dirt. And he'll continue to remove the dirt. Because God has transformation in mind. But here's the thing I want you to see. So God began to fashion this thing called Adam in his image and likeness. And I can only imagine the angels were leaning in, wondering, what is he doing? Never seen anything like this that God is creating. Now listen, the Bible says after God created it, it's in, in the Bible, in the Bible, God leaned forward, placed his mouth on the mud nose of a mud sculpture and he breathed into the mud nostrils the breath of life when Adam opened his eyes what is the first thing that he saw 
Okay, it's not hard. See where he is and where God is. What's the first thing he saw? The face of God. The face of God. When babies are born, if you've ever experienced being right there when they hand you this newborn baby, I have a very vivid memory because in Africa, they allow you with a camera right into the room. I was there. I was Steven Spielberg. I was in every crevice. I was there. My wife says, don't you know what's going on here? I go like, we'll watch it later. But I'm getting all of this. I remember when both my kids opened their eyes and they began to scan the room. Parents, you remember that, right? They scan the room. They scan the room. But the thing that bonds them into a togetherness and belonging is the eyes and the face of the parents. I didn't meet my children and say, hey, listen, I'm responsible for you. My name is Pierre. Pleased to meet you. We live in a beautiful house. You've got a nursery. I didn't give the baby left brain facts. I established the baby's belonging with a right brain emotion. Because the countenance of acceptance, the countenance of I'm glad to see you. Listen, I know for some of you, you may not be comfortable with babies. Don't know how to do that. I stinking love kids. Between services, I just met a little girl. About 30 seconds, she checked me out. She resisted me. I go like, just stay. We're going to be best friends in two seconds. Because wherever we go, my wife knows this. She said to me, baby, you're going to get arrested. They're going to think you are a creeper. Because wherever I go, when I see a baby, I would stop. And I would lose sight of all reality that there are really bad people out there. In my mind, I'm not bad. I totally lose the fact of reality that this is not my baby and I don't know the mother. When I give that baby my face and my eyes, when you do the same thing, what do you communicate to that baby? Do you communicate to that baby all the truth about life? Listen, people cannot be trusted. Listen, you've got to watch your wallet. And listen, your diapers was made uh, in countries where they misuse people to make. No, 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 no. You know what you do? You animate your face. You go like, oh, look at you. You're so beautiful. Welcome to the world. You communicate acceptance. You actually look mentally challenged by the way you animate your face. If you had to see yourself, you would stop immediately because you will do anything with your face and your eyes and you know they're looking you straight in the eyes. And they know whether what you are communicating is authentic and they open up or whether you are not trustworthy. They are four months, five months, but they know. You see... What the enemy is baiting us with is that joy is to be found in things when joy is to be found in the countenance of God and the countenance of people. So let me explain it to you this way. The Bible 
Numbers chapter 6 verse 25 and you've heard me do this so many times. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father the intimacy of His Holy Spirit be with every one of you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine. Sorry, TJ. May the Lord shine His countenance, His face over you. But what we have been accustomed to do is to tell people the presence of God is here. Now, there is a big difference between my presence in the building and my face and my eyes seeing you especially when from my eyes and my face you get no transactional but approval that you are you beautifully and wonderfully made there is an affirmation that nothing that goes on I will always come back to a place of somebody that sees me loves me I'm not measured by stupid decisions I'm not measured by anything else because here is the miraculous thing of anyone considering kids you cannot unchild your children you can't go first grade go like oh my gosh you're a dud we've got to get another come on parents how many of you have felt disappointment, frustration, but when you tuck them in, they are still yours. They're in your heart, they're in your soul. When you wake them up the next morning, you wake them up like they've never done any evil because your love compels you because they are from you. Now scripture says, God makes his face shine on you. The Lord turned his face towards you. Now, there's another scripture that says in Psalm 16, 11, Come on, let's read it together. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, presence is fullness of joy. But the Hebrew, original Hebrew says this. Abundance of joy comes with your face. In other words, the enemy says to us, No, you've got to get things and go places to chase joy and God says no you don't understand it's when you realize my face of favors towards you that I another translation says joy all radiant from the shining of your face now what, what does that even matter to where we are you see church what we're talking about is creating soil for accelerated spiritual transformation when we talk about it, we talk about it in our lives and in our gathering. So the custom is for me to preach, someone else to preach, and for you to listen. What we understand from how this works, if you feel I'm an alien, an alien here in the Father's house. Oh, I'm an alien. I'm a legal alien. Well, at the moment, illegal alien, I'm an illegal, legal alien, alien in New York. You see, while you are an alien, brain science says to us that information that comes your way is distrusted and ineffective. And throughout the beginning of time with the Enlightenment, people went from communities, communal living, to where they say now it's all about what you think 
What you think is what you become. And you are the master of your own universe. You're standing on your own Titanic and shout, I'm the king of the world as long as I think right. Uh, then came um, the, the, the era of, of the industrial age and families were torn apart. And now they work there and live there. Then came the information age. And now uh, grandparents may see their kids once or twice, grandkids once or twice a year. They're not involved. Families are not together. And you know what the craziest thing is? You take everybody on vacation and you invite all the family for a family reunion and everybody gets there and within half an hour, everybody is on their cell phones. Because we have lost the face of joy, of togetherness. And when you and I understand this, we realize that if we do not create an environment that is cultivating joy that comes from the face of God and the face of acceptance of one another. Because how many of you have ever experienced walking into a place and everybody is smiling at you, but you know you're not welcome? You too, baby. So young and you've already experienced that. It's a sad world. And then the people that are sitting there say, oh, I have the gift of discernment. When people come through the door, that's new. They check them out and go like, oh, Holy Spirit just revealed to me. They are living a sinful life. Really? Really? Because you see, we are the creators and the participators into what's needed to create fertile ground for the activity of transformation to be accelerated. Because what you've got to understand, all of a sudden the church in the New Testament, the Bible says daily they met in each other's homes, they ate together, they were together, they were bonded together, there was a bonded togetherness. It was not transactional, it was not what can you do for me and what can I do for you? They brought themselves. They brought acceptance and joy. And the world around them saw the attraction in the love that they had for one another. But what we see the church evolved in, it became more important to be right than to be loving. It's more important to tell you what we think then create in you a place of belonging and acceptance and love and consumerism filters through everything that when you get in the car you ask each other so how did you enjoy church like it's a buffet how did they cook up that worship today how did you like that confusing message today not understanding the most important thing is that you bring yourself and your acceptance of other people. That you create the environment. When somebody comes into the house, they go like, I don't even know what that he said. I don't even like the songs. But I love that I feel loved. Because only once we bond together. And that's why I want to say to you, there is no spiritual advancement as a solo fighter. When the church began to give community an optional name is when we began to miss the fact that optional community is barren ground. That when we are together, we need 
what each other gives and what we create in the midst of it. Because you see, once we understand, joy doesn't come from things. And I like things. But joy comes from the revelation and the identity that God's not angry at you. He is not just present in your life. He wants to show you His face of kindness and acceptance and joy because you are made in His image. So there is a term, and I just had this beautiful couple from Malawi that I met after the previous service. This is a term, a Zulu term called Saubona. Now what I love about Africa is people live simple lives. They don't live for themselves, they live tribally and communally. In other words, it's not it's going well with me, forget y'all. How did I say y'all? Is that good? <laughs> forget y'all. Look at me. They live for us, they do not live for me. So when they see somebody walk, they ask the question, is that person walking towards me or away from me? We ask, are you on my property or your property? And then we assess, what do you want from me? And we go like, what are you going to do? What do you want? Because we have already prejudged. Because we have been rejected, so we would rather reject before we receive rejection. And you know what the saddest thing is? If we, the people of God, cannot reverse that and know that you can experience acceptance and not rejection, that you know when you come into this place, no matter what I believe, what I'm wrestling with, what I've messed up, the questions that I have, that this is the place where God's countenance of radiant love is over me and His family is committed to a radiant acceptance and love. And you know what? The interesting thing is we cannot create it verbally. Because the brain scans multiple times, they say every six seconds when you're in an environment, to find a face an expression, a blink, a something that communicates we like you. We are happy for you to be here. And it's in the place of belonging, bringing, as scripture says, bring your everyday self, your waking up, your sleeping, your work, your messiness, your dustiness, everything about you, bring that before God because that to Him is our offering. Can you imagine if we can create a household where you can bring your messy self and know that you are loved and you belong? Because Salborna, what makes Salborna so interesting, is it literally doesn't say, I see you. Because I see all of you right now, but I see none of you right now. I'm going to say it again. I see all of you, but I see none of you right now but if I had to come up can you track me TJ or should I stay right where I am well, let's put you to the test there we go so I have not met you right if I had to stand here and go like well I can see you and you're so happy that you are here 
May God bless you. Glad you're sitting in the front. I don't know how you got there, but here in the front, this is really a fine place. Hope you come again. Okay. How many would vote that in this moment she goes like, is this psychosis? <laughs> because what I said and what my face are saying, two different things. You see, the way that we created a bonded belonging that accelerates truth to become an accelerant to transformation is when my eyes of acceptance, my countenance of joy and a heart that doesn't judge, a heart that understands grace that's been given to me is given, grace that's given to us. That no matter where your life is, my life could have been in far worse places. And I carry the testimony that God that is here makes a difference. And to see you. And they say in Sabona, you don't see the face. You see the person on the inside. And as I'm looking at you right now, it's not hard to see. There is a, a person in you that is in deep, deep, deep longing. For a people in a place of safety. A people that will not judge. A people that will not ask of you for things. But are happy for you to be here. A people that says no matter what you are. I see you. I'm glad you are here. Because Romans 5, 15 verse 7 says. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. For that glorifies the Father. And I want to say the moment we prejudge people, we have forgotten how much grace we have tapped in. And you see, we, we, we walk around and go like, I need people to show me approval. How about we all just become a people of Salbona? Whether you're new, whether you're old, you may be new to this house, but you're not new to God and His kingdom. Because you see, if all we want is to get, we are captured in the cycle of you owe me. Do you know what you owe me? Nothing. You know what I owe you? Love. Bible says, oh man, no, nothing but love. And everything I say in this moment is either validated by how you feel and what you see in me. And everything that we will ever experience that's fertile soil is not communicated off the platform. It's communicated by the people who gather in the house. It's communicated when you don't just walk out and get what you get and ask your family, how did you like it? Oh no, the question is, who did you see? Because this is what they say. When you see someone... You bring them into existence. What is your name? Bree. So Bree, today when I drive home, I will not forget your name or your face. Because I see you. I see God's beauty in you. And I see that there is this space of miraculous transformation. Because God's thoughts over you are good. What I see 
is no eye have seen or ear has heard what your future is going to look like. What I see is hope. What I see is belonging. What I see is no need for isolation. And Bree, as you receive it, pass it on. Pass it on. Because the Bible says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. You say, Pastor P, so what is the moral of the story today? The moral of the story is simply this. We can give so much information about God and His Word. But we neglect that unless the soil is fertile and deeply moistured with love and acceptance of one another, nobody should be a stranger. And you know, it's not my job alone to make you feel part of this. It's when we all decide, let's sow borna the living heck out of each other. I owe you acceptance as a human. And what we give people is our face, our countenance, and the grace that we have received, we extend. So, Father Sals, I want you to know that I pray that this place will have the fertile ground of acceptance, of seeing people, that nobody would feel there's a transactional relationship and transformation is up to God, it's not up to me. But when we belong, when we're affirmed, we're to the lowest point of your life wrestling, there is no judgment. Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful, baby. See, here we go. I don't even know who these people are. Hello. Oh my gosh, I wish I could show you a picture. Oh, oh, oh. Look at... Oh. Beloved. Let us love one another. For lovers of God and those who love are born of God. Everybody, ah, oh, this baby, but she's going to grow up and do stupid things. <laughs> she's going to put her dad in so much debt. He's still going to look for her at 11 o'clock at night and go like you promised. But what you see right here is the very beautiful soul in its most purest form that God has created. And God sees that in you and in the person next to you and in you, Brie, and everybody else. You are the sweetest princess on the earth. I'm just going to hold on to you just a little longer. Man, if you could buy these, I would buy a lot of them. So church, I want to create a moment, but I'm going to ask that they shut the back doors. You're not trapped. You can go out if you need to. I'm going to ask that you realize the gift of your eyes and your smile and your face that someone else needs right now. There's people in this room that needs to be seen. 
Somehow, God knew where you had to sit today. He knew you had to be seen in a room full of people. He chose you to be seen. And you and I share a bond of, you see me, I can feel it. And I see you. And I've done nothing but just see you. I'm going to ask that you find like three people. And if you go like, this is weird, find your wife. It's not going to be fun. Find somebody close to you and see them. But can I say this to you? Don't just say, hi. Really look them in the eyes and see in them the beauty of the creation of God and then say, hey, my name is Pia. I don't know who you are, but I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're part of this moment. I see you. And then I want you to return to your seat because if you walk out, ushers will tase you. They'll use the defibrillator right there in the back wall. Because you know, right now, I know the sense of discomfort. I know that. I know that. If I was sitting there, I would have said to my wife, I'm just going to go under the chair. Nobody's going to see nothing. Because we hold so many painful experiences that people wanted to see us for what they wanted from us. People that says, I see you, hurt you. But you know what? Hold on to grace. See others. Because in that moment, you're creating in them a soil that accelerates spiritual transformation. And Brie, you looking at me today, reminded me again why I love to be seen because you need nothing from me right now but you saw me so this is not let's show each other face music there you go <laughs> I want to encourage you just get up for one minute and find two three people and really see them come on I double dare you don't leave just see somebody Look him in the eyes. Love you, man. Come on, you do it. Just see somebody. Just see them. 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 Okay, church, wherever you are, wherever you are, just remain standing. <laughs>
Father. Give us a love for one another like you have a love for us. Father, may we be the gardeners that help cultivate a rich soil of acceptance, belonging. Oh, that we will communicate the bliss and the revelation that it's not just your presence, but your face that is joyful over us, even in our dusty mess. Therefore, I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Father, and the beautiful presence of the help of the Holy Spirit be with you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Every time you think of God, may you see His radiant shine of joy over you. And may God give you peace. Be blessed, church. And keep seeing each other until He comes. God bless you. We'll see you next week.